Hi, and welcome to the Reiki from the Farm podcast brought to you by me, Pam Allen LeBlanc from Hiddenbrook Farm. I am a scientist, a businesswoman, and a licensed Reiki master teacher with the International Center for Reiki Training. Each week in this podcast, you'll be entertained as you learn about a wide variety of relevant Reiki topics, helping you become a more knowledgeable and effective Reiki practitioner. We caution you, though, this podcast may also dramatically improve your life, and we are so happy that you're here. Hi, everyone. I just wanted to let you know that you asked and we listened. You have been asking for us to run a course around the Reiki business book in order to give you a better opportunity to get your own businesses off the ground. We decided to start with chapter five, marketing. We felt that by offering a three-week intensive course over three evenings, in June, three Monday evenings in June, starting June 12th, the 19th, and then the 26th, we would be able to help you get yourselves set up to get your marketing in place this summer. So you'd be ready to hit the ground running in the fall when people are looking for marketing solutions. If this sounds like it's something you would be interested in, be sure to click the link below in the podcast and in the newsletter and join us. And if you can join us for our Reiki share this coming Tuesday, where we will explain it all to you. Space is limited. So be sure to sign up soon if this is for you. I hope you can join us. Thanks. On this week's podcast, I am speaking with Jeff Black. Um, Jeff is a psychiatrist, and we're talking about transforming healthcare with Reiki and energy medicine. Jeff, thank you for being here and welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm so glad we could finally get it together. Before we begin, I just want to let you know a few things we have coming up here at Reiki from the Farm. Next week, July 12th, we are starting, Kathleen and I are starting a three-week business course, which if you have a Reiki business and you're looking to amp it up, or if you're just getting started and you're wondering what direction to go, we're basically taking the marketing chapter of the Reiki business book and we're taking it to the next level. So do join us for that. You'll find details on our website and I'll put a link in the podcast notes. We'd also love to have you join us in Campobello this summer. I'm teaching all my classes this summer in Campobello so that we can get out with the whales. We've got level one and two and master in July, and we will be doing a whale watching tour with that one. We also have animal Reiki um, level one and two and master in the beginning of August and doing the master class over four evenings. And these are all both online and in person, although sadly online, you won't be able to come out with the whales with us. Yeah. And again, in September, I am having an animal Reiki one and two followed by animal Reiki master. September, the humpbacks are there also in August, they should be. So that's why we've got the animal Reiki staggered a little bit later. 
And back here at the farm in October, we've got a full lineup of classes. So we'd love to have you join us. They're all both online and in person. And before we get too far in, I'm just going to invite everybody to bring your hands into Gasho and just go ahead and activate your Reiki energy. Bringing in your symbols, just noticing the guides, the brothers and sisters of the light, the angels, the archangels, the enlightened beings, the divine animal kingdom that are standing at the corners of the land and on every side of us, just supporting us and supporting our work. And as we talked to Jeff today about an integrative approach to healthcare. Maybe this is something that you need in your career or that's interesting for you going forward as a Reiki practitioner, but maybe it's also something you need in your personal life. Whatever that may be, we invite the Reiki energy to surround you in a soft hug and just allow you to hear parts of our discussion in a way that most benefits you. Thank you for being here today and thank you for the light that you are in the world. Ahomatakwe Oasan. Namaste and amen. Thank you. I always need that as much as everybody else to get started. I get so excited about every new guest. (laughs) Welcome, Jeff. You know what? Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you came to bring energy into psychiatry? I started in medical school thinking I was going to be a neurologist or a pediatrician and then found that I really resonated with people's stories and sitting with an older gentleman who is a Vietnam vet and I was in the VA and listening to his story and realized that was something that resonated with me and did psychiatry. I went to a program that was very much about very psychodynamically driven. So it was very much about the connection and the alliance between the physician and the patient and not so much pushing uh, medications, but the reality of so many of so much of the Western medicine allopathic tradition has been driven not to be a conspiracy theorist, but it's just been driven by both pharmacology and the need, you'll hear people say evidence-based medicine all the time, the need to be able to experience things with your five senses. And even though that's definitely important and the scientific method has brought about a lot of wonderful change, it wasn't until I studied Ayurvedic medicine that I realized that the difference between Eastern and Western traditions were that Western traditions were very much that health was the absence of disease. Plenty of people around you who will say that I'm healthy, my doctor deemed I was healthy because nothing has manifested itself yet, but their energy is low and their vitality is low. Whereas in Eastern tradition, they say that disease is the absence of vibrant health. So it turns the table in terms of looking at what is health, what is vibrant life, 
what is the energy that we feel, not only that we experience with our body, but we experience around us in our relationships, with our food, with our movement of our body, with our stillness. What is the energy of that? So I started practicing, mostly seeing children and adolescents and had the opportunity to go into self-reflection where I realized that most of what I felt like I was doing was prescribing medications. I was doing some therapy and working with things, but felt that I needed something more. So my wife, as a gift, gifted me the chance to do a meditation retreat with uh, Deepak Chopra. And so I spent a week with Deepak uh, Chopra and 150 other people. It wasn't like just the two of us, but although I did, I did have an hour long conversation with Deepak while I was walking on a treadmill, because I heard this voice next to me, very distinguished voice asking me about the conference. And he supposedly was there a little bit more than he normally is. And so we talked about family. And so I did several, several trainings and experiences through the Chopra Center. And then I had a, a wonderful friend of mine who told me about Alberto Ovalodo and the Four Winds Society. It was very much of a shamanic tradition. I decided that I would explore that, um, keeping an open mind and and not completely rolling my eyes every time somebody said something that felt <laughs> real woo and had some experiences that went beyond. They were suprasensory. They weren't just supersensory. They wasn't like the enhancement of my five senses. It was beyond that. It was beyond explanation. It was the energy of it. It was the life force, the chi, the prana. It was the holy fire energy didn't know that yet didn't have the holy fire energy thing going yet but and so i completed my training with four winds and and then felt this desire i'd always been interested in ayurvedic medicine felt this desire that i wanted to go further with an integration of learning more about lifestyle herbs as well as about a diet and even though ayurveda is much more complex than that it I, it took me 4 years but i finished a degree in ayurvedic medicine and so I had friends of mine who were like, why are you doing this? And, mm-hmm. and I basically said, why not? Yeah. And and I felt like there was had to be more to just the null hypothesis, the scientific method as it's proclaimed by the West, and not being willing to look at other other opportunities. And so I spent some time in Peru, had other experiences that sort of broad my perspective. And in the meantime, out of necessity to further my training, I just, I kept using some of my skills in my private practice. And then when I shifted from private, left my private practice and we moved and I shifted to working for the Defense Health Agency, I started using some of those experiences in the Defense Health Agency, working mostly with Navy and Marines and there were some beautiful traditions and the whole idea, and, and it's why Reiki made so much sense to me. The whole idea was just like in Ayurveda, they have the things called the koshas. So they have the body layer, they have the emotional mental layer, they have the etheric layer, the soul piece, they have the energy layer, the bliss layer. In shamanic traditions, they have the energy piece, the etheric or soul piece, not religious soul, but soul piece, the deep part of ourselves the emotional mental body, and then the physical body. And the idea is that the shamans that I learned from basically would heal things from an energetic level because it took very little 
took little to no effort because it wasn't their energy to mm. shift things at an energetic level. And once you shifted something at an energetic level, it trickled down into the mental, emotional, and the physical level. And the more I started thinking about it, I had always been curious about Reiki and so went through the process. And, and that's been the most recent thing. And again, friends were like, why? Um, <laughs> <clears throat> but it just was a logical progression for me of finding other healing modalities that you can offer. And so fast forward, I'm in a, another position now as a psychiatrist training other psychiatrists. And what I found is that I can use techniques. I have to be very careful because it there's certain rules, there's certain laws, there's certain ways within the medical boards and the medical licensing boards and I'm not being dishonest. I just use different language mm -hmm. uh, using different language and having people and talking to people about shifting things energetically. Uh, one of my jobs right now is to teach how to or have it help residents have experiences with psychotherapy. And if you think about therapy and what therapy is doing, therapy is not just about insight and understanding, because if it was just about insight and understanding, nobody would need a therapist and we would change immediately. It's about shifting. And so there's all this literature about change literature and change your life and doing all these things that you can do. To, and what are they asking you to do? They're asking you to shift your energy, shift your perspective that's shifting your energy, shifting how you think about something requires shifting your energy with it. If you're going to shift something in your body, if you were diagnosed with, say, uh, hypertension, high blood pressure, and you were having horrible headaches, and you were looking at it from Western model, part of what the family practice doctor would want you to do is shift your perspective. Look at your stress level. Look at your diet. What could be increasing the agitation in your body? In Ayurveda, they would be saying, what's driving the heat? What's driving the heat and the stress and the movement? And so you'd be using different things to calm the heat, calm the movement. And it's always tickled me that over the last 15 years now or so that now there's all this literature written about mindfulness and all this literature written about meditation. Whereas when I first started practicing medicine back in the mid nineties, that was where we went poo pooed by everybody because it was just, that's just something you do. Other people do. I don't do it. And now famous doctors do that even. And people and some people don't don't know. I, Deepak Chopra is just a wonderful human. And some people are put off by the perception that he's all about the rich and famous, but he's about the most down to earth human I've ever met. Mm. And he, I think, has done a, an immense amount of work to help bring meditation and mindfulness to the forefront. And then I think the openness of meditation my kids had experiences at their school where they talked about meditation, but they didn't call it that. They just call it time for breathing. And and I taught a meditation class to a bunch of Marines. I just, I called it meditation, but they all wanted to know if they had to sit on the floor and cross their legs. And I was like, sure you want, but you're not going to stay that long because you have on boots. But, and so we did those experiences. And so having, having this transformation within myself, and looking for, not looking for other ways to answer a simple question. I'm not in terms of seeking to find an answer. It's just a natural progression and allowing it to be open. And so I think energy medicine in and of itself is coming into its own 
only because the West thinks it's coming into its own, but it's been around forever and it's been used forever and it will be used forever, regardless of whether it gets sanctioned by the powers that be. And one of my interests lately has been about grief and loss, which sounds interesting for some people, but even about end of life discussions, a lot of palliative care people that I know are really good at that, but more where the intersection of understanding in order to be able to live a wonderful life, you need to learn how to die without fear. And and in order to learn how to die without fear, you have to learn how to live your life. So the whole yin yang and the light and the dark, but the energy that goes on and not to go off too much, but just the, the, uh, I was able to be present when my father died in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic and, and just being there in that sense of presence and being able to offer a sense of energy and help energy release was a wonderful experience for me and my siblings. Um, and, and so my interest in Reiki grew out of not only the healing modality, but the, just the gentle love and sometimes pretty ferocious because the first time I had an ignition or because I did one and two and then I did one and two over again and then I did the master class I Gabrielle would laugh my teacher would laugh because I would literally have to change my shirt I would be sweating so much and so I'm like okay this doing something and then I have also had people who want me to try to explain it and I learned a long time ago that if someone is asking you questions out of a sincere uh, appreciation for and a sincere curiosity to find out what exactly you're doing, they can hear and um, may ask some good, intelligent questions. If somebody's asking you questions in order to uh, discredit what it is that you're doing, it's just not worth your time. Oh, um, and so that's I a usually, really interesting point. I usually end the discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the way I end it is I'll be glad to do a session with you and then you can talk to me. And they usually, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so you talk about that, Jeff, and how did you integrate these energy uh, techniques into what's <clears throat> traditionally a Western medicine field? And did you get any pushback? And, mm-hmm. and how did you deal with that? I got some pushback. Um the way I did it in the hospital setting where I would use it is I actually did a a lecture on and demonstrated on a person who volunteered what I would be doing with patients and what I would need and came up with a protocol, came up with not came up with a protocol to be used. And I called it guided meditation with props. And the props happened to be stones and the person would lie on the floor. I didn't use a massage table because that just felt too weird to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I do any, if, if I do Reiki now, it's usually with them sitting up. I don't have them lying down just because mm-hmm. that's that that is a step too far. I'd have to have special permission where I am now. Yasui Sensei <laughs> treated people sitting up, Jeff. So yeah, yeah. I think you're in good company. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I came back and I was excited about it and I talked about it, but I didn't go on and on about it. Mm hmm. Um, and then I think after four or five uh, sessions of doing uh, some energy work and people having pretty significant changes in their mental and emotional capacity in the inpatient hospitalization, it was changes in sleep without medications, 
It was decre- marked decrease in anxiety. It was an improvement in mood. It was a sense of release, of allowing things that had been kept in to be released. And then the same thing happened as going forward. And I check things out in the military. You have to check things out with whoever's right above you. And I check things out. And I basically said, I do guided meditation with props. And sometimes I play really wonderful relaxing music so you may hear that i turn the lights off sometimes they lie on a yoga mat sometimes i have a drum so you may, i'll just warn you if i'm gonna drum so it doesn't freak you out and and they were like okay um, <laughs> the military didn't have any trouble at all they said whatever works i'm sure that the bean counters and people on higher up positions if they really wanted to think about it but it, it was extremely effective and really helped I worked a lot with people with post-traumatic stress disorder and it worked immensely to help decrease the overactive nervous system within uh, PTSD. And so combining that energy with that energy work and then being able to use the Reiki at the same time was a pretty cool thing. You received so honors think, for some of that work, Jeff, as I do, do what? You received some pretty high honors from... I, I was just recognized it... it, it wasn't what we originally talked about, but I got recognized by the, I don't know what he was, the general of the whole Eastern seaboard or something. For the results? Yeah. And that just doing some really, some really cool things and being able to shift gears. And I worked with a lot of really cool people who very much asked lots of questions. And it's very much, the energy work is very much in keeping with a lot of the current research and things like polyvagal theory, the Heart Math Institute, California has done a lot of research. So all these energy processes are not, they're just used different language that people are used to hearing sometimes within a, a Western tradition is not necessarily used. But if you talk about the energy of something or the felt sense is a huge therapeutic term, the felt sense of something. What is the felt sense? Even as uh, a whole gestalt therapy around mm-hmm. the felt sense, that sense of what it is and where you feel it in your body. And then teaching taught a class called Healing Your Life, which is very Ayurvedic and mindfulness, and then did a meditation class every every Wednesday was more just a sort of a group meditation that was open to whomever wanted to come. And Mm -hmm. some days we'd have two or three and some days we'd have a lot more. It was, and then there was a a sanctioned class by that was developed by a psychiatrist out in San Diego called the mind body medicine class that the Navy developed that was used. And then the Navy uses quite a bit of mindfulness and mind body medicine and teaches it, especially in situations such as those that work on submarines and ships and things where they're going to be very contained and need mm-hmm. to be able to maintain their stuff without losing it when they're underneath the water. It's all around and it's it's very much a part of things. And I haven't had conversation. I'm just brand new at this job. This left the military and came to this job. So I'm pretty new at this and I'm meeting different people. And so I'm using I'm using a lot of caution, not out of a sense of fear, but just out of a sense of recognizing that the energy of all of this, the in spirit of all of this, the source of all things will bring people around to not bring people around to thinking like I think, but people will come into my life to either probably challenge me sometimes, but also that will be interested in having this conversation. Uh, I found that true for the over the last 20 years. You start 
at you say something or something you read and people are like, oh, I've read that. And did you do this? Yes. And oh, have you thought about, yeah, I've done that. And have you ever heard of a, one of the techniques was a soul retrieval? And I'm like, yeah. And do you know how to do soul retrievals? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and go from there. I think it's using caution, doing it within the confines of where you are. Uh, I don't advertise that. I don't do it outside the the realm of, of what my license is. If I do any, I have done some, when I lived in the low country of South Carolina, I did some Ayurveda, Reiki and Ayurveda type work, but outside when it was just purely that, if it was mm -hmm. all a bunch uh, and do the same thing here. I haven't had the opportunity yet just because I haven't met the community here. But there was a huge community of Reiki people in Beaufort area and the low country area in South Carolina, which was really cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. Some good friends. Kind of you start it and then they people just start. It's like it's like the old adage of uh, how many yellow cars did you see on the way to work today? And and uh, I don't think I saw any. But coming home, you know, usually when you tell a patient that, you know, to help them with awareness, how many red cars did you see on the way to work? I didn't see any pay attention to how many you saw going home. Oh my gosh. It was like every other car was red. <laughs> it wasn't that the cars all became red. It was just your awareness. And so mm -hmm. I think once your awareness opens up energetically, your awareness opens up to the possibilities of what Reiki can do, then you see things differently and people around you, all of a sudden the energy shifts and you sense the energy and you start talking to people and there's a wonderful book and I just blanked on his name, but it's called Why We Works. It's worth reading. I just read that about two or three months ago, so I can't remember his name right now. But And I'm unapologetic, but I would never put anybody at risk or do anything that would cause harm. So that's I'm going to look up that book really, yeah. um, really quickly. Yeah. I think I, I remember seeing it, book Why Woo Woo works yeah. well, we, and the the david hamilton phd yeah, hamilton that's it yeah a, a hay house book i thought i had seen it recently. i have a tendency to like that book i'll just leave it on my desk and people will come in and they'll be like what's that about i'm like i don't know it's the title and uh, <laughs> they, they'll pick it up and can i take this yeah i can take it oh this was interesting i think you're mentioning that you're being cautious in your new place it's it almost sounds as though you're just feeling it out and so that what approach to take when if you do decide to uh, bring it in although you did say something about what was it you just you said something we were talking earlier about the language that you use right. and not asking I for permission. I think, I think you can do not because you have to stay hidden, not because you have mm -hmm. to apologize or, or in any way think that there's something wrong with what you're doing when you're practicing Reiki or when you're practicing other energy modalities. But I think you have to recognize who's your audience, who are you speaking to and who, who, uh, and, and using such language that, is not in your face. If I went around saying, hey, I'm going to do a bunch of soul retrievals today, then people would be like, what is that? And versus there's guided imagery with props. There's a, And then there's wonderful books, like a guy named Edward Tick wrote this two sets of books for military. One is called A Warrior's Return, and the other one is War in the, War in the Soul. And he talks about post-traumatic soul loss. And so he talks about it people describing this piece of me that gets 
not dissociating, but this piece of me that gets pulled away and mm -hmm. I don't feel whole and I need help to feel whole again. And if you think about the best, best experience with and the best example of healing through a therapeutic modality is bringing wholeness back to a person's life, bringing vitality. And whether it's an illness that it, you don't necessarily cure the illness, but the healing comes in that you bring a sense of wholeness back to the person and move forward from there. And I think doing that, people can't argue with that. They can't. Um, Do you have any success stories with some of your patients that that you would be able to share with? I, I, with Reiki, especially worked with someone who had a stutter. Mm -hmm. And we did two sessions and it stopped. Wow. And that was cool. I've had a lot of using Reiki in terms of using the Reiki energy in terms of helping with pain and especially with joints, mm -hmm. using some of the other energy modalities to bring wholeness back. And I, I worked with a person who had unfortunately found his best friend had taken his life and he found him and it was just a horrific scene. And I saw him as out of a sense of acute grief and trauma. And it brought up a lot of past traumatic experiences for him as well. And we started the part process of really decreasing the energetic overload by using, you can't really get somebody who's in that state of mind to just be still but to release some of the energy, not necessarily in a cathartic way where they're crying or wailing, or whatever. They did enough of that to start with, just mm -hmm. telling the story. And so they were remembering and they have this story and they have this story held tightly out of a, 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 an intrusive sense of not necessity on their part, but they couldn't do anything other. Couldn't other let it go. Than, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so working with them and really helping uh, decrease the the amount of energetic overload by releasing some of the energy and then being able to work with them to then take the energy of that story and learn how to hold it differently and the process of the process of remembering and just how we even put our hands is very much of, of some of the Reiki positions people will hold themselves mm -hmm. people will hold themselves people will put their hands on their head. People will put their hands on the back of their head. People will rock and move. And then being able to help him re release a lot of energy and being able to shift that into a restorative stance of being able to restore and tell, not tell a new story. You can't let go of this old trauma, but the story uh, was held very differently. And then eventually moving to being able to talk about the person without having the strong, the strong release. And instead of that taking 10, 11, 12 sessions, that was done over the course of three. And, and one of the more poignant lines that he used was when talking about it. And then I checked in with him about, I saw him probably about six times and then checked in with him again, about two or three months later. And he said it, he'd done well, slept, sleep was better. He had made peace with uh, this experience that could have become complicated grief in a sense. Uh, and he said being able to have the experience of releasing energy and being held, feel like I was being held, not necessarily literally by myself. I wasn't holding it, but being held by this energy, being energy. held by this, this heat. He described it as heat, being able to be held by this holy fire 
I didn't use that language, but that's what I thought it was. Being able to be held by that helped him stay calm and helped him be able to do that. And I did some, he would let me know that he's having a bad day. I would do some distance energy work would tell him that I was going to do that. And he would be like, okay. And, but he said it was very helpful. And then he told me, I said, tell me, how are you doing? And he said, when it first happened, it felt like it was happening again and again, every single minute. And then over the two or three sessions that the three sessions, we did some energy work. It really felt like there was some distance from it because I was able to release some of that energy. And he said, now, and the poignant line was, he said, now it no longer feels like yesterday. Oh, um, thank. So, so it, was, yeah. it was a beautiful thing. I think using Reiki, I've used Reiki with, I haven't done animal Reiki yet, but I've used it just having the energy. I love it. <laughs> using the energy, uh, some of the energy, especially this is a very, very different story than what I just told, but my daughter's dog will just come running up and she yeah. will just plaster herself to me and I can just put my hands on her and she just makes this noise and she sounds and then she'll just slowly roll down on the floor and then <laughs> let me just put my hands on her. And then if I stop, she'll nuzzle me to keep going. And I'm not really even scratching. So it's, it's a pretty oh, cool, cool experience. I go into a Reiki coma sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> become boneless. And oh my gosh, that's fantastic. Jeff, this is amazing. Are there any techniques that you find that you turn to more often? And how do you see Reiki complementing this traditional medicine and Western medicine? I think in certain circles, they're already doing some research using Western techniques of doing research where people are in ORs and people are in Mm -hmm. care units and people are doing Reiki and not doing Reiki, doing distance Reiki so that it's not the physical presence in the room. Although I think some of it's happened in physical presence in the operating room with the patient's permission. Um, There could be confounding variables and you've got people who do that for a living to try to poke holes and things to just make sure that if they come to a conclusion, you can actually be on uh, statistically significant, determine that there was causation and not just a correlation between it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of things, a lot of good things and a lot of good ways of looking at healing modalities are very much correlated anyway. I think it's very difficult to find causation and it doesn't necessarily mean that they should be completely not used. I think more and more people are looking towards integrative. There's integrative fellowships, there's functional medicine, there's there's the all kinds of opportunities within the West to learn integrative techniques, both with Chinese medicine and herbal, herbalism and looking at um, Ayurvedic techniques and, and even Reiki. Uh, a lot of the integrative programs, integrative fellowship, you can get a fellowship in integrative medicine will actually mm-hmm. look at energy medicine. And there's even a newer group called integrative psychiatry that's mostly looking right now at lifestyle and diet and herbs. And a lot of people who are with it talk about it like it's a new idea and it really isn't. And But that's cool. If you think it, if you just want to think it's a new idea and that just gives you joy, then you just let it be a new idea. And I think that the more and more, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think there is an evolution towards understanding with a healthy 
healthy sense of Western skepticism within the medical profession that certain things, certain things are very useful. And I have found that the experiences, suprasensory experiences within the realm of a tradition where you do what you did in the very beginning, there's an invocation or an opening of sacred space. There's an action or a communal experience or an energetic experience with the person. There's a shift in the energy. There's a sense of healing and release. People have talked a lot about spirit guides and animal uh, guides and totems and things that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. And now it's become very vogue to in vogue to, to have one. And I think, but at the same time, cool there's an experience of something other than that's not necessarily has to be within the realm of an institutional religious understanding, but it's also wonderful. I found with Reiki that it's, it's like the experiences with the uh, shamans that taught me, this is not religion. This is, and you could see, and you're almost making it to, you're confining it too much. If you say it's a form of spirituality, it's life, it's energy it's how it's creation it's vibration it's the it's the core of the beginning and so if we're all in every tradition if we're all created within the image or we have the light within or we have the in the vedas we have this thought stream we the all of that helps us understand where we're going so i think with that short answer would have been i think it's evolving uh, but the long answer was what I just did. But, but I think it's education as well. It's being willing to, for example, when I interviewed for this job, they asked me to come do a grand rounds, which is where you present uh, a paper or you present research, you present experiences. I had written a chapter in a book, but it was, I was, didn't think they were ready for it because it was called A Shamanic Experience of Restoration, Journeying Ceremony and Ritual. So I knew that wasn't going to fly. So <laughs> I did. I did think, but you know, I put it on my uh, resume, and so they knew I'd written that. What the title was, but I, I did a thing called "Death as a Rite of Passage," and looking at literal, emotional, mythic, and energetic, um, which I got was part of the Living Dying Consciously project that I'm a part of, and, and Kitty Edwards really thinking through that and and the idea of the the literal, the uh, energetic, emotion, emotional, and mythic, and so. Doing that and presenting that as, as a part of looking at death and dying. And I find I'm so intrigued by end of life, not because I have some end of life issue going on personally right now, although we could be real nihilistic and say we're all dying at some point, mm. but um, the beauty of how it pulls away does exactly what Reiki can do, does exactly what energy work can do where you have an experience where you start thinking of your own mortality or you're forced into it. And if you're forced into it by a diagnosis or an experience or a loss, and you're able to work with it and move to the other side and the energy shifts to where you can hold the story differently, then the beauty of that is that life changes and life expands and life becomes more. And I think that's what I felt like I got out of uh, being taught Reiki and being able to use Reiki and using other energy modalities. And even looking at using Ayurvedic medicine is it's about expanding. It's that return to wholeness, but it's about expansion. And with that, it's about the individual and it's about individual responsibility. And it's about not being an external force exerting on someone. It's just activating what's already within. And that's just always fascinated me. And I think that's where I think death, dying, grief, and loss comes in. So. 
And do you see, what do you see as a future with all of this? Do you see it being more accepted? It sounds like from what you've said, it's already great strides are being made in a lot of different directions. If you think about the history of some, what they call, they used to call it complementary, mm-hmm. and still some circles still call it complementary, and they usually do the air quotes, but the right. complementary things. And it was called alternative, as and an alternative had a pejorative sense of saying it's just that's just an alternative viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it became that became more acceptable. Complementary became like if you're going to do that's a complementary medicine and. And you can go on WebMD now, look up herbs and herbal, different herbs and different interactions and cautions. They're not real positive about most of them, but you can go on the National Institute of Health, go on PubMed, find articles about some of the more common herbs, watch television. They they talk about ashwagandha all the time. You would have thought that's just the best thing since sliced bread. It's a wonderful herb, but it's very much... Um, part of mainstream. And so I think where it's going is uh, whether physicians and residency programs and medical schools want to accept it or not, and the more progressive, older, more expansive medical schools and programs are pulling this stuff in. Mm -hmm. They're getting really people, good people coming in and talking about it. And whether or not someone is not there to proselytize or try to convince somebody that this is good or not, but don't knock it so that even if you're like, there's no way I will ever do that or allow that. If one of your patient comes in and says, I want my Reiki practitioner in with me in the OR, they're going to have to figure out how to make that work. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think more and more that's what's going to happen. And people are demanding that physicians be at least conversing with their Ayurvedic practitioner or signing a release so that the Ayurvedic practitioner can talk to them. And people in Veda circles and Reiki circles, other people who are not licensed to practice medicine don't diagnose. They're mm-hmm. not making diagnoses. They're not saying, and in the context of Ayurveda, I don't use a diagnosis because that's antithetical to what the Ayurveda even talks about. It's about the energy source. It's about where things are off balance. It's about bringing balance back into life. And what better way of doing that, not only just diet and lifestyle, which is very much the physical body, and that takes a lot of effort and is pretty dramatic in terms of using, there's a technique called Panchakarma, which is about five actions where you do this healing cleanse, and that's pretty dramatic within your body. But it's the energetic part. It's the energetic piece. It's the subtle shifting it's the stillness that's sitting within that, that being able to grow that expansive energy within us. And, and I like the idea that sometimes it could be as simple as just being able to, to really get to the point where you can not be fearful of life, learn how to love people a little better and not be fearful of death. For some people, that would be a, that's a beautiful thing. Um, and, uh, and I think those modalities the modalities of Reiki, the modalities of other energy, and I'm not equating them, they're very different, but they're very similar. All of that's about vitality and how could anybody who has any sense of curiosity and an expansive mind look at it and just deny it? People do that every day, just deny it or wipe it away or say, I'm not going to have that. Okay. Um, (laughs) 
It doesn't mean necessarily that everybody's going to open their doors and say, let's all hire people and have them on staff. Uh, but more and more people are doing integrative functional medicine. They're talking about lifestyle and diet and nutrition. And I would much rather a physician or a nurse practitioner or even a PA or even a nurse go back to school and get an integrative approach looking at different medical techniques than just having some influencer who read some books on YouTube be the one who's deciding do this and buy my products and therefore uh, mm. things will be better. We get a lot of that as well. And, and I think that muddies the water. Mm -hmm. political, but that muddies the water. And so I see it marching forward, whether the institutions, much like everything in change, it's going to march forward, whether the institutions want to go along with it or not. And sooner or later, the pressure will be there to where the institution has to go, okay. And that'll either happen by some people coming into the institution that are willing, whatever the institution might be, that are willing to be open-minded and curious and look at results and the old guard has to go. And that's how it's been since Descartes. Um, and we're moving into an age of the inner authority yeah, and instead right. of the outer authority. So I think you're exactly right that it is going to be maybe pulled in right. as opposed to pushed. And uh, But what advice do you have? I have trained lots of medical professionals to Reiki, mm -hmm. and some of them are able, depending on their position, depending on what they do, depending on their approach, some of them are able to begin integrating it right away into their, into what they do. And some of them are able to do it in the background, but, but then I've got other people who would like to be a little more upfront and so on, but their licensing boards are not there yet. Or so what advice would you give to other medical professionals, Jeff, who want to bring Reiki and other energetic practices into what they're doing? It's a big question. Yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> I think first and foremost, be aware, be aware of the language of your licensing board, be aware of the language of what you're doing. If you work in a profession where you can lay hands on people, whether it be a nurse or physician, and you have permission to do that, and your job allows you to do that. Psychiatrists don't do a lot of laying on a hands. Mm -hmm. no. But interesting enough, our chair of our department is a doctor of osteopathic medicine. And there's a big push to start teaching allopathic physicians osteopathic manipulative treatments so that really? they start integrating those within their psychiatric practice. So where I'm working they're integrating osteopathic manipulative treatments in for mental health into psychiatric experiences, whether it be a simple manipulation or cranial sacral, or I don't know, she's, she, they're doing a big seminar at the end of this month. So I'm planning on going and there's grant money and all this stuff. So it's a legit thing. And so I'm not moving any, anything in terms of a level, but I would pay attention. I would also, there's this tension, I think, that comes with when you experience something wonderful and you experience something wonderful you want to share, you just want everybody to know it. Yeah. Uh, and I always think of the image of sometimes when you do something new, you, if you have a if you have a washing machine in the back of a pickup and you're going 90 miles an hour down the highway and you take an abrupt turn, it is not going to end well. 
So sometimes you just got to slow everything down and pay attention to what's around you and recognize to have some sense of finding uh, other Reiki practitioners, finding other people in the community. I think one of the beautiful things that would happen in Beaufort is they would have a Reiki share uh, once a month where all the Reiki practitioners that wanted to participate would come and the whole community was invited to come have a free 15-minute Reiki session. And the first time I did that, there were eight Reiki practitioners working on me for oh my 15 goodness. minutes. So that was, that was a lot of Reiki, but it was wonderful. And and it, it, having experiences like that, I think, help fairs, doing other things where people can be educated on it. But if you're in a position where you have a sense of fear about doing it, you need to pay attention to that because I think that personally, I feel like that says two things. First thing is you're not sure enough within yourself to know that this is something you need to be doing. And you've got to let go of your inner 14 year old, which is basically trying to say, I'm going to do this by God, whether you want me to or not. <laughs> and pay attention, pay attention to uh, what it is that's going on around you. If you're in a very highly conservative, by the book institution, it ain't happening anytime soon. And so then you have to start thinking about whether or not your mission and your goal of doing this is to is try to move an institution like that, or you might have to find someplace else to go. But I think the biggest thing is recognizing where you are personally with it. Number two, finding out what's okay, what's not okay. Number three, finding other people around and finding other places to be able to practice and to and to do it as a service and then if eventually you want to do it as a part of a profession then go for it but that may make some that you may have to make some changes and you may have to step out of where you are in order to be able to do it and and slow the truck down make the turn mm. a little bit slower so that it, not everything falls out and the truck spins it, it, it just just give yourself the opportunity to really enjoy this experience. You definitely want to share it. It was enough for me to come back and start talking to my parents about the things I'm experiencing. And my dad one time, I don't know who's like smelling me. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> His name was, he's, I don't know. I just want to make sure you're not on drugs. And <laughs> drugs. He said, well, this stuff's weird. And I said, yeah, it's weird to me too, but here's my experiences. And they were very curious and uh, very supportive. I had people in the local church that we were part of praying for my soul a lot, but that's okay. You're not um, the only person to have had that. <laughs> I think it's, it's, and be careful about your, and not be careful in terms of, yeah, be careful in terms of not calling attention to yourself that's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Unless you're willing, unless you're ready to step out, unless you're ready to say, unless you're ready to have somebody say, this is not okay with us. You need to go somewhere else. If that's what you're looking for to give somebody, have somebody give you permission to move on. Oh, I have, I'll have at it. But if you're looking for a way to be able to use the life skills that you already have, knowing that this is just an expansion, this is a skill that expands what you already have learned, what you've already been taught. People are hungry for that. Nurses, especially. I think nurses are in a wonderful position of being able to use Reiki. You don't have to hum. You don't have to have a table. You don't have to have incense or music. It's just healing touch. And then also, I think sometimes people get the idea. I, 
people, I don't know a lot of people like this, but people get the idea that the Reiki session has to last a certain amount of time and you have to do all these things. Sometimes it can just be a short glimpse of the, the energy. I say energy to my kids all the time. Oh, um, yeah. And, and their dogs. So <laughs> you know, I'll put my arm around my wife and she'll be doing Reiki. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and you can say you started it with that yeah, meditation exactly. course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're at fault for all of this. So <laughs> I'll do a reminder of that. But. I'm so glad she did start your journey, Jeff. And I love what you've said. And there's historical precedence for a lot of it. Mrs. Takata had to change the language right. that she used around Reiki because it wasn't accepted. Right. Um, Japanese culture wasn't accepted in Hawaii after Pearl Harbor. So right. she had to change the language. And, and I think that's something that that I do. I, I don't use spiritual language right. unless I'm talking to a spiritual audience. I'll use scientific language right. and talk about experiments and results and things along those lines. And I and you can bring in the terms of mindfulness. That seems to be something that is uh, accepted. So you've really given us a lot to think about today. Thank you. Is there anything we missed talking about, Jeff? Um, or any advice that you'd like to give people going forward? I think if you stay open and stay curious, then things will find their way to you. That's one way to look at it. That's a very external way of looking at it. But I think if you stay curious internally, then the expansion of who you are starts encompassing those things that are already there. And my experience has been that's where Reiki showed up. It wasn't like I had never heard of Reiki. I'd heard of Reiki had zero interest in learning Reiki, didn't have a problem. I had no problem with people doing Reiki or having Reiki, or I just had no interest. And then all of a sudden it was like, you have to do this. You have to do this. This makes sense. You have to do this. And so that's what I did. So I think it's just paying attention and recognize that's, as they say, where your attention goes, your energy flows. So paying attention and going with it and trusting and taking the risk. Take the risk. You don't have to bet the farm, but <laughs> you, can, you can take a simple risk of saying, I want to do something different. I want to do something that expands me even just a slight bit. And just a little bit here can make a huge difference. Five, 10, 15 years down the road. Generationally can make a huge mm. difference. Yeah, I really love how awesome. you just brought in some group meditations and oh, yeah. Yeah. brought in some extra thing, brought it in that way. Yeah. Thank you so and, much. And even teaching people how to pay attention and allow energy to flow mm -hmm. and using their hands as a process and the, all the research on polyvagal theory of looking at the vagus nerve and the calming of the vagus nerve and how Reiki is all about the polyvagal theory and how it stimulates the vagus nerve to bring our bodies back into balance. I, the advice I have is just, I love Joseph Campbell's follow your bliss. That's just on everything, coffee mugs and t-shirts, but it's really about staying curious and allowing yourself to, to go with it. Just mm -hmm. take a deep breath and go. Yeah. Um, and I like how you pointed out that if you are 
feeling fear, there's probably something you need to work right. on. You're maybe expecting to be judged or right. I noticed that well, you're judging first, yourself or judging yourself. I know at first I expected to be judged. And so I was judging myself. Yeah. And when I healed that, I actually found I wasn't judged very much at all. And the other piece of advice is, is find a spouse or partner who's willing to go. You just go do be with your people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or, or I love that you love that. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's always helpful. <laughs> it, is. it is. Yes. No, um, I, I would have been very difficult not to be yeah. able to do that without a partner who understood. So definitely. And something you also said, Jeff, uh, Karen Harrison, who's a mental health professional, she's a counselor. And she said something similar to you. She said, I can get more done in three Reiki sessions than 10 or 15 counseling sessions. And so the, the proof is, is in the pudding in, right. in a lot of sense, isn't it? We usually end our podcast with an experience, Jeff, and I forgot to ask you if there was anything <laughs> you wanted to share, but I, I also normally just go into something, but if you had something in mind. One of the, I was thinking one of the meditations, I don't have a, I don't have my drum with me, but one of the meditations that simply do be done a guided meditation is a meditation to experience the five elements in your five senses. So I use that quite a bit. I'd be glad to share that if that sounds. That uh, sounds great, even without your drum. Yeah. Uh, or we could pause the video and you could get your drum, whichever is the best. I put I left my drum at work because uh, I've been doing drumming with the first year medical student, first year residents. So that that started off with a bang. So that was good. With a bang, awesome. literally. That's fantastic. I have some drums in here on the wall, but you know what? We can go ahead and do it and I'll just... Put some lovely music in behind okay, it. Sure. Okay. All right. So I invite you to get comfortable. Feet on the floor. And then take a couple of breaths, a little slower, a little deeper than usual. And if you would, focus those breaths on the center of your chest as if the air moves in through the center of your chest, and then you release any tension with the exhale. Now I ask that you be open to your sacred imagination and begin by finding yourself on the top of a small hill The day is sunny, sky is blue. You feel the heat of the sun on your skin, the coolness of the earth on your feet. You feel the wind caressing your face. You hear the birds, you hear the rustle of the grass. And just take a breath, take that all in. And then you look in front of you and see a path leading to the edge of a forest. 
you begin making your way down the hillside. And as you get closer to the edge of the forest, you catch the scent of the woods, the damp earth, the pine. You feel the coolness of the air coming through the woods. And you slowly step in. And you begin following a path, noticing the vegetation, listening for the rustle of animals, seeing the sunlight stream through the tree canopy. Hear the language of trees as they play in the wind. And as you walk on this path, feeling the earth beneath your feet, you come to a large stone. You stop, gas permission to experience the energy of the stone. And you place your hands, maybe even your chest and your face against the stone that's been warmed by the sun. And you feel the places in shadow that are cooler You feel the firmness of the stone, the groundedness of the stone. And you step back and bow, thanking the stone, and continue on your path. And as you round a corner on your left, it's a large tree, large enough for five or six people to reach around. You have a sense of the energy of the tree. You feel the bark, the roughness, crevices, you feel the life force, the energy moving from the earth up through the tree to the canopy above. You step back from the tree and you bow, thanking the tree. And you continue on the path and you start to hear the rustle of water. Water against stone. Water rushing downhill. Water moving. 
And as you get closer to the edge of the wood, you see a stream or a river. You step out on the beach and move across the pebbles to the edge of the water. And you choose to experience the river or the stream, the flow of the water, smell the life force. You see the blue sky up above, the trees surrounding you, the stones that make up the river's edge. See the calm pool where the river slows its movement. And you feel the space, the energy of the space as if life can only expand. Feel the energy of this beautiful ache and breathe in the life force, feeling the air moving around you, experiencing the water the earth and the heat of the sun. And you thank the river. And you fill your body with this energy. And you make your way back to the path. And as you step back into the forest and walk back the path which you came, you notice the lightness in your step, the expansion of the deepest part of yourself. The colors are brighter, the sounds more acute, the smells, the life force, the energy moving and pulsing all around. You walk past the tree and give a gentle nod or a bow. You walk past the stone, thank the stone. You walk to the edge of the wood and feel the temperature rising ever so slightly and the light of the sun growing brighter and brighter. And you take a deep breath and allow yourself to be enveloped by the warmth of the sun as you step along the path. And make your journey back up the small hill 
hear the whistling wind through the trees, the birds, the rustle of the animals, the wind through the grasses and flowers. You smell the damp earth, you feel the damp earth beneath your feet. And once again, you feel that expansiveness. You experience the space that is growing within, that envelops who you are and allows you to feel the oneness with all things. And if you would take a couple of breaths, a little slower, a little deeper than usual. And allow yourself to come back to your space, to your body. And before you open your eyes, giving thanks to yourself to all those who participate with you. With the gifts that you've received and created. I hope you can open your eyes. Jeff, thank you so much for that and for being here today for our conversation i know how busy you are i really appreciate it and uh just want to say thank you to you the listeners for the bright light you are in the world i hope that you can go forward and with that open curiosity that jeff was talking about i think that's such a wonderful way to live our lives. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm. Namaste. Namaste.